Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome back. Today, we are moving away from talking about gut function, and we're going to talk about what goes in your gut, which is food and hydration. And they're such critical elements of health. And so before we try to get too deep into food, I really want to break down the fact that literally what you eat and drink is what you are made up of. Like fundamentally, our body is made of water and fat and nutrients. And so the quality of these things is going to dictate health. We can see from your cellular membranes, each cell is made of fats on the outside and we can tell what types of fat you're eating from that. So it's so, so key. But shockingly to everyone, in today's episode, I'm not going to tell you what to eat because It's so different for everyone. I always say there's 7 billion different diets and diet has a very bad connotation, but diet is simply a nutrition plan of what you choose to put in your body. But there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people because it's going to depend so much on our stress levels. It's going to depend on our activity levels. It's going to depend on like currently for me, breastfeeding, right? My nutrition plan is going to look different than it did when I was pregnant and before that. So it depends on so many different things. And so I really want us to get away from being like, okay, high carb, low carb, Do I need to be paleo? Do I need to be vegan? Do I need to go keto? And really focus on what matters. So focus on the macronutrients and focus on what personally works for you, right? So if you are eating keto, for example, because it's the number one search diet on Google right now, and your period tanks and you feel awful and your energy is low and you're gaining weight okay, that's a sign, right? And we'll get into what that could be a sign of many times in the future, but that's a sign that it's not working for you. So really it's also about, as we talked about in the past, connecting back into yourself and figuring out what is working for you. So we're going to cover today critical elements to a quote unquote healthy diet, but it's also really just about teaching you how to check in with yourself because we've separated so much from that, haven't we? Absolutely. And, and it's exactly that to a T is that um, it is that somatic or that internal awareness, bringing it back again. Because remember, we talked about before about sometimes the ego kicks in and there's that comparison that happens all the time that we want to look like that. And so and so is doing that diet. And, and then in the end, we can churn ourselves up and we can actually create an internal stress response again, thinking, why am I not burning the fat like she's losing X amount of kilos and all this sort of thing. Um, and it's not about that. If we eat really well, if we eat the foods that that, that actually um, work well within us and work efficiently, um, it's it's more about that. That's really the engine. It, you know, it's feeding our engine with the correct fuel, and we'll know that from the symptoms. If we get in a lot of negative symptoms, then we know that that's not the right thing. But then I always say, and I'm going to say it again now, is that we want to glow from the inside out. So we really want to show that picture of health and happiness from within. Because as we learned before, the happiness as well is a huge link back to the gut. So we want to feed our gut with the foods that suit us because then everything else will flow on. Absolutely. And as you talk about the internal stress response, um, in my book on weight loss resistance, I talk about how weight weight regulation, whether you're looking to gain weight, lose weight, maintain your weight, or not even give a, a weight, it's 
all a hormonal experience. Everything that happens in the body is a hormonal experience. So if you're laboring in stress, that makes maintaining whatever you want from your health so much harder. And we're so stressed in today's day and age with the Instagram comparison, right? Mm -hmm. And I have so many patients who come in who are just so confused about what to eat because someone's keto, someone's paleo, now there's the carnivore diet. And they literally are paralyzed by what they should and shouldn't be eating that they forget the fundamental principles, which is what we're going to go through now. Absolutely. And that's it. Can we start breaking those down? Because the thing is, it's, it's, it's actually known about those main uh, like proteins and fats and carbohydrates and that there isn't one that's a criminal compared to the other one. You know, they're all very, very good, but some of them have been demonized and cut, calorie, you know, cut, cut carbs down. Carbs are the number one enemy. And that's not actually correct. Well, and that de- it depends. Like for Got you, I, I always yeah. tell people, do the blood work. Like in my office, mm-hmm. I can spend, get someone to spend $25 and it can tell me exactly what their blood sugar regulation looks like. And if it is awful and their blood sugar is spiking and they feel awful when they consume sugar, then you do need to cut your carbs, right? Mm-hmm. But if in this situation that we see that your blood sugar is properly regulated insulin, which is a hormone that controls blood sugar regulation and controls so many more things in the body, um, if that's properly regulated in response to that meal, well then great. You don't have to focus on those elements, which is perfect. But the number one thing to me, because I've talked about this in the past, blood sugar imbalance is such a huge stress on the body because when your blood sugar is spiking high and low, it triggers cortisol release because cortisol also helps to regulate your blood sugar. And so that's a stress response. And so whatever meal you're eating needs to have a balance within it. So that means if you eat carbohydrates on their own, you can spike and fall your blood sugar, especially if it's sugar and not something like a sweet potato, which has fiber and has other components that help to balance that blood sugar response. So In my practice, the things I see women struggle with the most is not getting enough protein. Protein is so, so key. And I don't know why, but I see this all the time that women just really struggle to consume enough of that. And protein, like amino acids are so critical for health, but it's also really important to balance your blood sugar, to signal the feeling of fullness so that you're not constantly feeling the need to graze throughout the day. It's so important to hormonal health. And so getting enough protein is really, really key. Um, Also, like you said, there's no good or bad nutrient. It's also what works for your body. And so fat has been demonized for so long. And then now everyone's confused about what type of fat to eat, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, is is saturated fat good? Is saturated fat bad? Are avocados good? Are avocados bad? And that, to be honest, comes down to genetics. So like, for example, I have a gene that makes me not properly process saturated fat efficiently. So when I eat more than, I think the gene, the research says like 22 grams of saturated fat in a day, I have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Okay, cool. That's a really easy decision for me to make, right? To choose healthy fats from nuts and seeds and avocado and less from high fat meats and less from things like coconut and that type of thing. Um, So fat is really fundamental. But at the end of the day, I always tell people polyphenols, which are the colorful components of fruits and vegetables, are the number one nutrient deficiency, even though they're not a nutrient. But we just have, like when you look at your plate, so many people just have such bland, sad looking 
like meals. And so those colorful fruits and vegetables are really such a huge key to health. Pretty much if you Google polyphenol and any condition, there will be positive research because those are the components that are really health promoting. And so whether that comes from a berry or whether that comes from a cherry, which might have more carbs, heaven forbid, right? These things we really, really need to get in our diets. And the fiber that comes from those is also so important for the microbiome. I wanted to also ask Sarah, just going back to the point where you said you had your genes test tested and you knew that you weren't, that wasn't suitable for you. If people haven't got that facility, what can they do just to notice that maybe certain foods aren't working for them? Are there signs and symptoms that they can use if they haven't got that facility to go into the deeper research? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a nerd. So of course I have that research. <laughs> um, <laughs> With that one, it's hard because I don't feel a difference necessarily, but I see it in my genes, right? So pretty much cardiovascular disease runs in the entire side of my mom's side of the family. And so I'm like, okay, that's something that I should be aware of. But just from a fundamental level, when you eat a meal, you should not get energy and you should not lose energy. You should feel refreshed. That's about it, right? And so if you're feeling really bloated and really heavy and really tired after a meal, that's an indication that that meal wasn't right for you. So maybe it did have too many carbohydrates or maybe it did have too much protein, which is rare, again, I say, um, or an imbalance between those fats, the carbs, and the, the proteins. If you're getting energy, that's also an indication that you've waited too long for that meal. And so you were actually, if you've ever heard the, the saying hangry, right? So you were yeah. heading towards that hangry zone and so your body needed that boost. And so that's an indication that the meal before maybe wasn't enough food, which I see all the time, um, or wasn't properly balanced. And so talking about not enough food as well, that's the other thing is that, you know, there used to be the thing of having three meals a day. And now there's talk about having those three meals, but then interspersing it with snacks. What would you suggest? Again, it's going to be an individual thing. It really depends mm. on everybody. But what would you say is a more sensible approach? Personally, I see that the snacking culture, it could be because of what people snack on. <laughs> There's such a huge snack culture right now, but I tend to tell patients to avoid snacking unless they have known blood sugar issues, which would mean they need snacks because between meals, that's also when your gastrointestinal tract is cleaning up. That's when that peristalsis is happening. The migrating motor complexes are sweeping along. And so if you're getting hungry between meals, that's an indication that the meal before was something that you needed to focus on and eat more within that. And so I do tend to sit on on the side of three meals a day to give your hormones time to come down, your digestive system a time to rest and for that peristalsis to happen. And interesting, you say that, um, I say to clients as well as, you know, when, when there's roadworks going on, they always find the quietest time when there's less activity happening so they can do the repair on the roads. And it's the same with the, exactly what you say. It's allowing time just for things to heal and repair because when we pack too much in, that's when we get that exhausted, bloated, fatigued brain fog type of action as well so it's 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 actually not a bad thing just to leave that space in between absolutely and that's those things that you just mentioned that's actually signs for me because i i wanted to cover that today what are signs that you need to reassess your nutrition and look at that and exactly what you said when i'm feeling sleepy after meals bloated if i'm getting brain fog if I'm not feeling like exercising or doing things along that lines, if I'm buying the same foods all the time, or if I'm reaching for things like chocolate throughout the day, those are signs to me that I need to assess my nutrition. And what are yours? Oh, well, mine is that my, obviously, um, I'm, 
I'm really, I have to work hard on my sugar um, because I'm, I don't drink alcohol and I don't have coffee. So in that side of things, I don't, that's not a big thing for me, but chocolate is my weakness. Um, and so I have to work very hard to restrain the chocolate. But if I've had a, a particularly rough month, and even though we're talking about all these, these the advice, we still have to take this into practice. Nobody's perfect. And 100%. There's times, <laughs> and there's been times where I've reached for the chocolate during that month. My massive wake up call for me is that when my period comes, my boobs are solid. They're so painful. I'm unbelievably bloated. Um, I feel so low. And then I just get like um, a real swelling across my face, like a real bloated look and just that brain fog. And I just have no energy. And it's at that point, I think, my goodness, I've had way too much chocolate during this cycle. That's a sign for me to cut it back in the next one. And you know, I work so much better without that sugar. And it's just mm-hmm. as soon as I've probably had about a week, seven days without chocolate or sugar, I can, especially chocolate, and I, I'm fine. It's just getting over that little hurdle. And as soon as I've got there, I, I, you kind of lose the taste for it. So it is achievable. It's just managing that when the stress comes up that we don't go straight for that impulsive nature or habit and pull out the chocolate. A hundred percent. And before the break, did you want to own up to your hydration issues? Yes, as <laughs> <laughs> this is a confession. Well, <laughs> um, basically, it's very hot here in Australia at the moment. We're between Christmas and New Year. We've had unbelievable heat waves. It was 45 yesterday. It's 43 today. And my husband and I have been doing a lot of sanding, a lot of work at home, a lot of painting. And I was steam cleaning the bathrooms yesterday. Um, and it was 45 degrees yesterday. And I just felt so ill. And he just said to me, I've been watching you throughout the day. You, you don't drink enough, do you? And I said, well, I do. But I've been so immersed in this work today that I haven't. But by about three o'clock yesterday, I was shocking. It was like full-blown flu. I had had a seriously bad migraine. I had cold on me. I was drinking as much as I could. In the end, um, I've got a migraine tablet, which I take one probably every, what, two and a half years or something. But I've got them. Thankfully, they're still in date. So I took one and then I went straight off to the sleep and I'm as fresh as anything this morning talking to you. But I got a big lecture from my husband last night and a lot of bottles lined up on the kitchen side today with water. So I'm fueled up with water today because of the dehydration. And water is so key. Like water is so key. It's not just about the food. It's about hydration because sometimes just fatigue and brain fog are because you haven't drank enough, which I think is exactly what we should go into after the break. Absolutely. So should we go into a break and then return and then talk a bit more about hydration? Do you feel that tight muscles are affecting your movement and posture? Do you feel that you have recurring pain or injuries? Would you like to know how to reduce pain, improve your posture, increase your mobility and develop mindfulness? Allow me to teach you the Total Somatics approach to health and wellness within my online program. In the comfort of your own home and at a time that suits you, we can start creating healthy changes. To learn more, go to totalsomatics.com. So before the break, a confession was made of me, and that was that I haven't been drinking enough water in the last few days. But in my defense, it's very hot here, so, so it means I have to drink a bit more anyway. But, but the thing is, it is important hydration, isn't it? Because our body's made up of 60 or 65% um, of water. So of course, very quickly yesterday, I lost that water, and I went into dehydration mode, and then all those symptoms kicked in. 
Um, and so, yeah, when we talk about hydration, we sometimes just think about drinking water, but foods as well, that it's choosing the foods, isn't it? That have got high water content that are going to contribute towards that hydration. That's so true. I don't even think about that because I am a water pusher. People walk into my clinic and I'm like, would you like a glass of water? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. And my appointments are an hour and a half. And I'm like, would you like water? Like more water, more water. And so some of my patients will say to people new coming in, just take the water. Don't say no (laughs) (laughs) because it's so important. But food is a great example. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the thing is, I was thinking with um, water, obviously, when we drink water, and we have like that 60 or 65% water within our body, um, there is something called fascia. And fascia is what is like a network. It's what holds all that fluid in place. Because if we didn't have that fascia, it probably all just end up accumulated in our lower legs you know it's like a big puddle really so the thing is that the fascia is a structural network and i know in the future we're going to talk a bit more about fascia we're going to talk about fascia with movement because it's a it really needs a whole podcast on its own but in this in this instance with hydration as I said, fascia organizes the water and other body tissues, creating this whole structural network. And, and the way I like to describe fascia and how this is linking in with how it's holding water and everything else is that, can you and the listener just picture an orange for a moment? So think of the rind of the orange, that skin is basically the surface of our skin. And the fascia is that white pithy layer that's wrapped around the segments. So you can picture that there. So that's encasing and it's holding each segment in place. And and that's basically what fascia is doing with the muscle. It's encasing and it's holding those muscles in place. But then if we were to dive in a little bit deeper to each orange segment, you know, the little long strands that are basically within each of them, those little cylindrical um, um, strands. Well, basically that's, those strands are holding the orange juice droplets in place. And that's exactly what the fascia is doing for every single cell in our body. It's holding the cell, it's holding the fluid all in place. So if we think of a big fat juicy orange and then we put it to our body, there's not a lot of shift and change really if you think of the structural element of it that we right down to that cellular level we need that fluid we need that water um so fascia is incredibly important for the function and also the structural integrity and that's why we also need that water there because i will just break into this and say to people that when we're dehydrated think again now about fascia as the net you know when a uh, fishing net when you put when you put a fishing net in water it's heavily hydrated isn't it it's got the fluid around it and if you think of a fishing net it just sways in the in the waves doesn't it It just waves goes from side to side it's very mobile it's very soft take that fishing net out and put it on the beach and let the sun beat down on it start so it starts to dehydrate and that fishing net is stiff and rigid And that's exactly what the hydration side of things is doing. The more that we stay hydrated, the more we allow that fascia to flow and glide with ease around our muscles, hold cells in place. But as soon as we dehydrate, it becomes rigid and stiff. It affects our movement, our posture, Um, pain levels increase because when we're in a very tight, rigid body, we're struggling again there. So there's the link between hydration and fascia. Is that something that you physically, like when you put your hands on someone, you can tell how dehydrated they are? Yeah. So either if I'm doing um, somatics, uh, clinical somatics, or if I'm doing remedial massage on people, as soon as I spread the oil, I'm feeling for that, feeling for the movement and the fascia. And I do my fascial release and then I do other different techniques as well. And that is with uh, a view to releasing that fascia, getting the fascia to release, 
get that release and that movement because in actual fact there's more nerve cells within fascia than there is in muscle so it's really important to look after and move that fascia get it moving again there's the emotional stress response link with fascia with you know it all keeps coming back to that side of things so that's why it's a whole lifestyle shift so again if we're dehydrated the body's gone into a form of shock as well, hasn't it? So again, you see how the fascia is dehydrated, but then the nerves are in a shock system as well. Yeah. And we're talking about digestion too. We didn't talk about mm. this too much in there, but your stool is also partially water, right? So if you're not hydrated enough, your body will also not be able to eliminate what it needs to eliminate in urine and stool, which is just another layer of inflammation and issues within the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I just wanted to bring in, because I know you like the geeky fun facts as well. Um, and I just thought if we've got anybody that's listening, that's very athletic, or they like running, or they do Ironmans or triathlons or anything like this, just consider that your Achilles tendon is 63% water. So it's, that's huge. And I see a lot of people in clinic and they have a lot of Achilles issues. And it's one of the things I'll first say to them is how much are you drinking and what's the food content like as well? Have you got high water content in your food? And then I'll teach them specific techniques, you know, somatic techniques and, and some manual techniques that they can do for themselves just to help bring in that movement back into the fascia, into the tendons, into that whole region so that they get that better hydration and movement generally. Wow, that's cool. So have you got any takeaway points covering this whole section of food and hydration? Always. I'm very bossy. I always like telling people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my main takeaways would be focus on colorful fruits and vegetables. Focus on getting enough fiber if that's the right thing for you, right? If you have SIBO, maybe that's not the right thing. But it's always good from fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds because the microbiome is so important. And we have to feed it. So it eats what we eat, right? So we have to feed it good things. Um, and getting enough protein to stabilize blood sugar and, and mood. That's so, so important. Um, I always tell people too to drink water before you snack because oftentimes the signal of dehydration is hunger. So if you know you've eaten a solid meal while you're retraining your body to drink more water, if you're feeling hungry, then just focus on drinking and see if that takes that away. Um, and also, like I said, don't just guess which dietary changes that you should make. Test if you can. Um, and whether that's testing with blood work or whether that is testing just with how you feel after a meal, check in with yourself and see how you feel. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and I, I just tie in with that um, few little takeaway points, really linking in with that. And from our own personal experiences is just noticing how your body feels maybe at the end of a day, the end of a week, at the end of a cycle, menstrual cycle, how are you feeling? And then can you maybe create like a food diary and a, maybe a food and drink diary and see over the next week or month what your, um, your food intake is like. And then from that, could you make some shifts and changes to see if it will support your hormones, your gut, your emotional health, the works basically. Um, and then another takeaway would point would be to create opportunities to drink and eat high water content throughout the day. That's also for me. <laughs> when you think I needed to create that yesterday, but we're all, as I said, we're all working on this on a daily basis. Um, and also to create movement so that we can hydrate our tissue and our fascia, because when we stop moving, when we stop all that action, we get very stiff and we get very rigid. And so if we can think about, again, think about the, the fishing net in the water. When we move and when we bring water and hydration in, bring movement and water together, it flows really nicely. When we're stagnant and we dehydrate, that fishing net becomes very stiff and rigid. 
So it's all about water. It's all about movement. Bring everything back in so that we get a lovely, healthy, flexible um, body that's just going to work in all settings and situations. Which is exactly why this series is called Fundamentals slash Foundations of Health, (laughs) because these are the things we need and they're always going to loop back together. They are. And so with that, um, should we move on to our next podcast? So we're going to be talking about sleep, aren't we, in the next podcast? And usually we can create a cheesy segue, but I seriously can't think of anything at the moment. So should we just leave it at that? We've had a lovely chat about food and hydration. And the next one we're going to talk about is sleep, which is going to be so fascinating. Don't fall asleep on us, people. We're coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, be well. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.